Welcome to Rigo's Business Review, where we bring you the latest in leadership, business, and tech. I'm your host, Carl Rigo. Join us each week as we share unexpected insights and underreported stories from the world of business to inform, uplift, and inspire, and make you think. Hello, and thank you for joining us for the podcast. Today, we'll cover a roundup of intriguing stats and stories, including which companies did best in 2020 and the outlook for 2021, and we'll end with a deep dive on how to land your first line management role. But first, I thought I'd introduce myself and say why I started this podcast. My personal motto and my whole ethos really is learn it, live it, give it. And that's why I started the podcast. So what sorts of things have I learned and lived? Well, I'm currently a board advisor, entrepreneur, and investor with 20 plus years of experience leading change and improving performance for Fortune 100 mid-market and scale-up companies in the tech, healthcare, financial services, and consulting industries. And I currently run an advisory and media company called London Executive Advisors, which provides strategic advice and insights to help small to mid-market firms navigate, navigate change and grow. How did I get here? So I'm originally from the US and I've lived and worked in North America, the UK and mainland Europe. So I started my career at Johnson & Johnson, the world's largest and most admired healthcare company, where I was a transformation director in operations, where I helped balance people, process, and technology elements to support the company in going to market with one voice, improving customer experience, and reducing their operating expenses. I learned a lot at Johnson & Johnson, uh, two main things being, one, it's all about the people, and second, if you want to be a CEO, you need sales experience. So I left, uh, did my MBA, and then I proceeded to move into sales and consulting roles. I really spent the first half of my career in operations and the second half in sales. And along the way, I've, I've had C-suite roles in general management, strategy, and operations, and I've been fortunate to, to run seven, eight, and nine-figure operations. I also served as a director at the Prince's Responsible Business Network, which is a campaigning organization that believes that business can and should do well by doing good. Following my experiences in that industry, I moved into private equity dealmaking, uh, been involved in a number of venture and growth deals in the tech, healthcare, and property industry. And I'm currently a committee member of the Harvard Business Angels of London. More recently, in the last couple of years, I was invited to become uh, an expert in residence on a radio program, which got me into broadcasting, and that was on Resonance 104.4 FM in London. And now uh, we've grown that plat the various platforms, and our executive briefings now reach an audience of over 1 million. And lastly, on a personal note, my inspirations and influences include people like Jim Rohn, Oprah Winfrey, Ted Turner, Mother Teresa, as well as the likes of Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, Paul Pullman, and Michael Bernard Beckwith. So that's my background. I mention all of that just to give a sense of the perspective I bring and where I'm coming from, and I'm here to serve. But enough about me. We can delve into my career story more in future episodes. Let's get to the insights. Well, what can we say? May you live in interesting times. 
We must be both optimistic and vigilant. So the so-called K-shaped recovery continues, where it's a it's bifurcation where part of the economy goes up, part goes down. While U.S. markets are up and reaching, touching all-time highs, and gold and Bitcoin flirt with new records as well, Meanwhile, four-fifths of investment-grade debt yields just 1% or less, according to Citi. And there's lots of capital out there looking for yield. Quick question. You may ask, so how much did the wealth of U.S. billionaires increase uh, since COVID began? Well, according to Statista, Billionaires have seen their wealth increase by 34% from March to November 2020. And in terms of unemployment, for those earning $100,000 and above, unemployment has remained relatively flat. For those earning less than $40,000, it has been a much more grim proposition. Globally, which companies did well in 2020 despite the pandemic? So companies such as Tesla, Zoom, Pinterest, Snap, DocuSign, and others, basically FAMGA and Tencent and, and other players, have made an opportunity out of the crisis. Other companies also including Spotify, Ocado, Moderna, Alibaba Health Information Tech, Xiaomi, and Amazon had banner years. Geographically, China outperformed the U.S., having 36 out of the top 100 performing large companies with the U.S. having 30. Obviously, the industries that were most rec represented were tech, e-commerce, digital payments, and healthcare. And we may have heard that Elon Musk recently became the most richest person in the world. But why does Elon do what he does? He plans to dedicate as much money as he can to coloni colonizing Mars. Business Insider quoted him as saying, Quote, I think it is important for humanity to become a space-faring civilization and a multi-planet species, and it's going to take a lot of resources to build a city on Mars. Musk said, I want to be able to contribute as much as possible to the city on Mars. That means just a lot of capital. And that's why we're a fan of Elon. He's very mission-driven, trying to save humanity. Meanwhile, Bloomberg reports that the number of small businesses operating in the U.S. has dropped 25% since the start of the pandemic. Turning now to the U.K. briefly, and the B word, the FT quotes one brokerage chief exec as saying, let's not forget that for financial services, this is a no-deal Brexit. He was referring to the lack of an agreement around regulatory equivalence which has stopped UK-based firms from operating freely in the EU with the advent of Brexit. Now, bear in mind, EY estimated that £1.2 trillion in assets and EU-focused operations had already gradually transferred from the UK to the EU since the referendum result in 2016. One trader at a London-based bank said, about the most recent change in January. The hardest thing is the day-to-day -day communication. I can't speak to the EU-based clients without one of my EU-based traders also on the phone or in the chat room. And the FT continues, city executives are now resigned to an indefinite period of working without the seamless access to EU markets they had enjoyed for decades. 
One broker said with a sigh of resignation, we can hang on for the equivalence deal, but what we learned last year is the deadlines only move in one direction. Now, Brussels and UK officials are working towards a regulatory equivalence deal, but there is no certainty of an agreement. Now, you may ask, do some see advantages in the divergence from Brussels rulemaking? Well, ex-Barclays banker Rich Ritchie, who now runs a UK-focused stockbroker, feels that London's prospects look good. And he notes that as we saw in 2008 and 2009, it is important to have your own approach in terms of determining how you come out of a crisis. And he adds, we have seen no short-term liquidity issues in the UK. There is a big pipeline of IPOs. The perception is that we've taken back control and there is renewed optimism for deals. Either way, I would say it's certainly an adjustment. So watch this space. Let's see what unfolds on that front, given how central financial services and the city of London are for the UK economy. And in the UK, on the plus side, you may ask, well, which sectors have done well? Well, Bohurst reports six startup sectors in particular that have done really well in 2020. You want to guess what they are? Let's go through them really quickly. They are digital security, insurtech, cryptocurrencies, quantum computing, fintech, no surprise there, and challenger banks. We'll have more on those topics in future episodes. Now, from a human perspective, some unsettling news. Quick question. In New York, are you now more likely to encounter someone who has visited a food bank in the last month or someone who has a college degree? Well, according to NYU professor Scott Galloway, 34% of people in New York have had to visit a food bank in the last 30 days compared with 32% of the population there who have college degrees. And in London, another troubling statistic is that one in 30 people are estimated to have the coronavirus, and actually the statistic is one in 20 in some areas. So this is an incredibly difficult time for many people. So let's all remember to be compassionate with others and also with ourselves. Let's be sure to check in with loved ones and colleagues. A quick call can go a long way. We all have a need for association. So that's a mixed picture in terms of the stats we just covered. Some good news, we'd like to end on a high note. The BioNTech Pfizer vaccine was shown effective against two of the new, more infectious coronavirus variants, one from the UK and South Africa. Obviously, that's pending peer review, but it, it seems positive. And would you like to guess how many people have actually had vaccines administered globally? Well, as of the 11th January, 28 million vaccination doses have been administered. With Israel, the UAE, Bahrain, the UK, and the US leading the top five. Another good news the sense is that there's lots of pent-up demand for a variety of services, and that's expected to be released later in the year. As we head into what some, opt some are optimistically calling the new Roaring Twenties. And the IMF predicts a 5.2 growth rate for the year globally. So that all sounds promising. In terms of other business trends, 
Many companies have made permanent shifts to offering a work-from-home option, including Shopify, Facebook, Twitter, Slack, Microsoft, and other companies planning to follow suit in the summer of 2021. And interestingly, surveys show that many people under 30 actually want to return to the office to connect with friends and colleagues. Now, in terms of the outlook for emerging tech and investment in 2021, PitchBook, which is a Morningstar company, reports expects the following. They say they continue to see opportunity in the IPO markets for supply chain technology companies focused on last mile delivery. So there's lots more delivery infrastructure needed given the rise in e-commerce. Secondly, DevOps and cloud tech providers should benefit from a broad shift to sustained remote work. No surprise there. And PitchBook sees a number of information security companies poised to go public. Lastly, on the healthcare front, they expect digital therapeutics startups to receive a record level of venture capital investment in 2021. So as an aside, digital therapeutics have a primary function of delivering software-generated therapeutic interventions directly to patients to prevent, manage, or treat medical disorders or disease. So for example, they can help with ADHD, sleep improvement, and self-management of diabetes, hypertension, and obesity. So those are some key stats and headline stories for the week. We now transition to our next segment where we provide career advice in a recurring series we call the Executive Suite. The topic is how to land your first line management role. This segment originally aired on the Workplace radio show on Resonance 104.4 FM in London. I'd like to thank my colleague NND, who is both the producer of that show as well as the interviewer, for her contributions to this segment. And now, on to the interview. So how do you land your first line management job? Great question. So it helps to to start by thinking about what is it about? What is this first line management role about? It's really obviously it's about influencing and leading. The headline I would give is it's about delivering results, working with and through other people. And to do that, when you're in the role, what will you actually be doing? So it's good to th- if you begin with the end in mind, as Stephen Covey says, you can think, okay, well, if I want to have this line manager role, what will I actually be doing when I'm in the line manager role? The essence of it is you have to balance you think of three circles. You have to balance focus on the individual in your team, focus on the team itself, and then the focus on the task that you're meant to achieve as a team. So when you think about the individual, that means you as a line manager focusing on them, making time for them, having one-to-one um, maybe professional development and performance-related conversations, finding out what inspires and motivates them, uh, what challenges they, they're actually interested in, and then also getting a sense of yeah, with their preferences and their strengths and kind of developmental areas. And then uh, the, from a team perspective, you want it, you're going to be looking at kind of team cohesion and ability to communicate with each other and the strength of the relationships there. Are there clear roles? Do they know who, who, do the team members know who to speak to about what on the team? Does everyone understand what everyone else does? Actually, oftentimes, especially in uh, organizations, if people are 
not in the same place. Geographically, they sometimes may not have the same, a good idea of what their teammates do. And then in terms of task, it's really about delivering results. So for example, when you become a line manager, one of the things that you'll be responsible for is translating the organizational level goals into team and individual goals. So an example of that is if you're running a sales team and the organization has a target of 1 million pounds in sales for the year, if you have five people on the team, you would break that down and say, okay, then each person's target is likely to be 200,000 pounds per year in sales. And then for each individual, breaking that down into weekly activities, there are 50 weeks in a year. So then each person ideally would be would have it reach a target of 4,000 pounds per week in sales. And that's your role as a line manager to help work with the people on your team and work with the organization to, to translate the, those goals and targets and then to focus on them in management and measure and deliver. So if that's what you'll be doing in the line management role, then how can you begin to get some experience? And ideally, you, you want to be able to demonstrate and evidence you have some experience uh, in those areas and or that you can demonstrate those behaviors. So for example, if you and to look at how you can build up the practice in working with individuals, you can potentially mentor other people, even if they don't report to you. Uh, that's one good way. And you practice giving them feedback as well in, a, in, in that kind of environment. And then giving and receiving feedback. And then on the team level, you say, well, how do I get experience leading a team if I never had the job before? You say, well, one of my favorite tips is to actually seek out a project management role where you're influencing people maybe at a peer level, and you're still showing that you can communicate well and focus on tasks and deliver um, deliver results. So similarly for the task focus, to show that you are task focused and meet your objectives. If you're doing that within your individual role, that's great. And then if you've led a project or been part of another team that was successful in that space, you show that you have the communication and the focus to get that done. Another tip I would suggest is if you're working within an organization is make sure that that your your work is visible. So if you're toiling away in obscurity in a basement somewhere, don't be surprised if you don't get as many um, progression opportunities because not m people across the organization actually need to get a sense of what you're f working on and what your capabilities are. So uh, again, when I used to work in, in, in corporates in the past, we would volunteer to be on the communications team for the quarterly or monthly town hall meetings where you get up in front of the, the organization and you talk about what you do for a minute and you meet other people. It's a great way to kind of meet people. I also like to, um, back to the C and B scene, which is sometimes eat lunch in a different cafeteria or if you know a different place if, you're, if you have on-site um, lunch facilities, then you can meet different people that way. So just remember people work with other people they know, like, and trust. So the more that they know you and are aware of you and what you're capable of doing, the more likely you are to get the job. And then once you're in the role, you're going to be balancing a focus on individuals, the team, and delivering the task. In closing, I do have some resources I'd recommend for people. So my favorite book on leadership is by John Adair. It's called Not Bosses, But Leaders. And the the title kind of sums it up. And actually, this three-part framework comes from him, but I think it's a nice, simple one. I've used it before. The second one I would recommend is The One Minute Manager, which is by Ken Blanchard. And that one of the takeaways from there is about catching people doing things right. And if you need to give feedback, either um, praise or reprimand, try to do it uh, as close to the occasion as possible and in, a, in a, a specific way, give specific feedback about the behavior that was either what you appreciated about it or how you might like it to be different in the future so people can actually act on it. And also you um, take a minute to set clear enough goals that you can review them with people in, under, in a minute after they've been set. So one thing to bear in mind about what uh, this line management role is about is it, it's not about you, it's, it's all about the people. The hero is the team and if, if it becomes, if you make it being about you, you will lose people. You're only a leader if people choose to follow you. So those are just some quick takeaways, and that's the view from the executive suite. Thank you for listening. That's all for this episode. 
Tune in next week for the latest insights and to find out which publication Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg called probably the most important document ever to come out of Silicon Valley. Here's a hint, it wasn't from Facebook. And in our ongoing career progression series, we'll look at, so you've landed that line management role, great. Now what? In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. So please share any feedback, suggestions, or questions by email. You can send them to krego at lxauk.com. That's K-R-E-G-O at lxauk.com. And you can also connect and follow us on LinkedIn at K-A-R-L-R-E-G-O. In closing, let's all try and remember this too shall pass. And all we have is each other. It really is all about the people. Till next time, stay safe. And we wish you all the very best. Thank you for listening. Rigo's Review, signing off.